I'll be careful. Um, fr a friend of mine said this, 2020 has been the year of never-ending pandemonium, and that's one way to look at it. Yet from a different vantage point, I see something that many may not. I see people learning to trade panic for patient peace, turning from rebellion to repentance, and ancient evils being exposed by awakened believers. In the wake of insurmountable loss, I see unconquerable life. And as we talked about several weeks ago, you know, the word pandemonium is a good word to describe this time because it has the word demon in it. And we know that the enemy loves to distract us and to rob and steal and destroy and create all sorts of confusion. Uh, Kathy leaned over to me during worship and we were singing a phrase about freedom. And it's like we both want to rip off our mask. It's like, wait, this doesn't make sense. We're singing about freedom and I can't even hardly breathe as I'm trying to sing. And that's really the plan of the enemy, if you think about it, to, to literally choke your breath, to silence your voice, to stop your praise, to limit your life, and distract you from the purposes of the kingdom. And so what I want to talk about this morning is his tactic to get us to question him. The enemy's tactic to get us to question God and to question our identity. Bill Johnson says the real Christian is a royal fighter. He's the one who loves to enter into the contest with his whole soul and take the situation captive for Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about what we need to make sure that we're taking captive, but not necessarily with the spirit of pointing fingers at anybody else. I want us to make sure that we're checking our own hearts because whether it's situations like what I've described to you about our desire to leave and join the Christian Mission Alliance and that whole process, the political spirit that's out there, some of the debates about whether we do mask or don't do mask, all of that stuff that's out there, um, it's easy to get into the debate, I guarantee you. And so we need to counter the devil's schemes by being on guard for his tactics. And so there's two specific areas that some have identified as uh, spirits that are part of any season. They afflicted, they afflicted Jesus. Uh, they're certainly in the atmosphere today. And one is a religious spirit and the other is a political spirit. In contrast to what we sang this morning, which is where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. Because neither a religious spirit or a political spirit produce freedom. Religious spirits, for example, endeavor to interfere with the free flow of the Holy Spirit within believers. Jesus told the disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I can guarantee you that Tuesday night we had to be on guard for that spirit. A religious spirit um, demands that we earn brownie points from God that somehow we can still earn our way to our salvation with different things like legalism. And a religious spirit, if we have it, if we have a spirit of criticism, we probably are starting to generate the fruits of a religious spirit in our heart. Um, it has a spirit of debate. 
and opinion. I appreciated, I think it, I think it was Kent, but one, some one of our worship members, worship team members in our pre-prayer time this morning prayed about anger. You know, it's not about out yelling each other that not makes us right. It's not about even whether we have the right opinion or not, necessarily, because we can have the right opinion but have the wrong heart and quench what the Spirit of God is wanting to do. It's a judgmental spirit. And I, and I tell you, this is, this is one particular spirit I've got to be really careful about, this religious spirit, because uh, I did speech and debate through high school. And I love a good debate. And you can de- debate with me any time, and I win almost every time. <laughs> Leighton, stay out of this. <laughs> and so there are three things that are earmarks of a religious spirit. One is guilt, the second is fear, and the third is pride. A religious spirit will make us ashamed of who we are, begin to take away our identity in Christ, will cause us to have fear, a spirit of fear, and not have a sound mind. And then what we'll do is we'll hide behind pride. What's wrong? Nothing. And we start hiding because we're afraid to be who we are supposed to be in our freedom in Christ. And along with the religious spirit often is allied, allied a, a political spirit. And a political spirit is this invisible demonic mastermind that strategized ways to thwart God's plans, to achieve its goals, to enter into alliances with religious spirits and institutions that are often backed by mammon, which is a combination of materialism and wealth for evil purposes. It tries to buy off and corrupt and manipulate and dominate leaders and groups of people. Uh, our world is, is subject to this spirit, uh, and I don't mean to be insulting New Yorkers, but New York, New York City is really afflicted by this spirit. Mesmer- mesmerizes people with false loyalties and, and demands, interestingly enough, it demands uniformity through pressures of shame, fear, and control. Let me just say something to you about the current atmosphere we're in. And I'll say it within the church because it's, it's everywhere. But in the church, for example, we've gotten to the place where if here's the word of God and if someone begins to deviate from the word of God and we say, wait, you're getting away from what the scriptures say. Then the, the response of a, of a a political and a religious spirit, the response is, you're just not open. You're being too exclusive. You, you're you're, you're narrow-minded in your attitude. And so that's what this spirit does, is it tries to bring uniformity so we all have to be the same when it's the spirit that's trying to move us away from the orthodoxy of the Scriptures. And we need to pray we need to pray to break this spirit that causes divisions and animosity and strife. And I intentionally titled this message this morning, Spiritual Warfare in the Church. Because there's enough spiritual warfare out there 
But sadly enough, we all know there's plenty of spiritual warfare in the church. We just want to make sure that it's not part of our atmosphere. And so we want to pray to break against to break it, and we want to be careful. It's so critical that we guard our hearts from the enemy's tactics in this way. And we need to be wary of the fact that he can use any of us. He can use any of us at any given time. And um, I'm not positive what you all think about this, but you know, in the scriptures, in the issue of the question of someone being possessed or demon-possessed or whatever, the word that's used in the New Testament basically is the word demonized. And I, I want to say this with all kindness, but every one of us, if we are not careful, if we don't protect our hearts and we don't guard our spirits from the enemy's tactics, we can be demonized. We can be demonized as leaders. We can be demonized as parents. We can be demonized as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can end up carrying a demonic a demonic attitude towards one another or towards a situation if we are not careful to make sure these spirits don't end up in our lives. You okay out there? Okay. Let me just give you a couple, just remind you of a couple quick examples. First one is in Matthew chapter 16. They're familiar stories, but they're just reminders of what can happen to us. And I'm not going to go through the whole story, but I'll just set the context. This is the one where the disciples are with, with Jesus, and he's asking them questions about who do people say that I am. And in verse 15, he says, but who do you say that I am? And here's Peter, verse 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Revival, renewal, spirit moving, all that stuff is happening. And Peter is on the top of the world for just a few verses. Because then you go to the next part of the story and Jesus is describing how he's going to be taken to the cross. And in verse 22, Peter takes him aside. The rock. The one that just declared he's the Lord. And he takes him aside and begins to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you, Lord. Listen to me. I, I know what I'm saying. I've got a better argument than you do. This will never happen to you. But he turned, Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, I don't know if anybody, any of us have the courage to be like Jesus and say to somebody, get behind me, Satan. But imagine if we related to each other that way. If we realized what I'm seeing in you does not represent the spirit of the Lord, it represents a different spirit. And that's a pretty strong way to say it, but the reality is any one of us, if we're not careful, can miss 
the ways and the thoughts of God and miss what God is saying and be communicating something that is not of the Spirit of God. Now, I think one of the more frightening stories in the New Testament, one that I don't really completely understand, actually, is in Acts chapter 5. That's the one with a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira who sold a piece of property, which was pretty common in the early church. They were selling property and they were giving to the church. And it says in verse 2, And with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. I want you just to think about that for just a minute. And and look at verse 3 again. For Peter said, and in place of the name Ananias, put your name. And let that kind of sink in for just a minute. Why, why would we think that if we let our guard down, we're immune for what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? And especially if we find ourselves in an atmosphere with a lot of other people that are not representing the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, uh, I kind of have this personal theory that, that demons or critters or whatever you want to call them they have Velcro on them. And they have a way of getting attached. And I've seen it. I've actually seen it happen where someone that I know that's a believer is actually hitch, uh, is giving a ride to demons that have hitched a ride on them. And so I just want to be mindful and have us all be mindful of what happened in verse 11. It says, And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Would you please do something for me, church? Would you make sure you pray for me, pray for the leaders, pray for Center Point leaders, Brian McMillan and the leaders there, especially as, as we enter into this season of discerning and interceding for this meeting on October 27th. It a, we're in a spiritual battle for the sake of the kingdom of God. And I, I'm asking you to make sure that you are praying for the leaders of our church, especially as we go into the thick of that meeting, because we have got to be super, super prepared to be able to discern through the fog where the Spirit of the Lord is and where the Spirit of the enemy is. Because he's there. I'm not afraid of him. But I do know, think about this. Psalm 23 says, you prepare a table before me, where? In the midst of my enemies. And so we have the opportunity, whenever the enemy rears his, rears his ugly head, we have the opportunity to feast on God while he feasts on the enemy for us. And so we want to be in that place and we want to counter the devil's scheme with obedience and worship. Just let me just highlight some verses. 2 Corinthians 
so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Please do not be ignorant of his, his plans, his strategies, his schemes. 2 Corinthians 11.14 And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. A clerical collar does not make someone a Christian. Someone can wear a clerical collar and be filled with the devil. I'm going to stop right there. First Peter 5.8 Be sober-minded. Be, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, please understand, I'm not trying to create fear. My friend and mentor, Bill Johnson, in all of his books, does not capitalize the name Satan because he says, I don't give him a lot of credit. He's an angel. He's a created being that rebelled against God. And we know he has already lost. We know... As he said one time, we know how he plays poker. He says, this is my hand, what do you have? He always shows his hand. We've seen his hand in this whole situation that we're going through as a church. We know what the strategy is. After the meeting the other night, I said to Jay and Jeff, I said, that was awesome because we got to see what the plan is. And we know which, which way to go and how to think. The safest place in this war is obedience. In the center of his will, we face only the situations we are equipped to win. And outside the center of his will is where many Christians fall, facing undue pressures that are, that are self-inflicted. His will is the only safe place to be. So, as we realize wisdom is to guarantee the outcome and fear masquerades as this wisdom you have a responsibility, you have authority as believers to counter the devil's schemes by exercising that authority. And I want to take the last bit of my time this morning to remind you of what this authority looks like in terms of the way God set up authority on this planet and in the church. So I want you to look at a chart. And then I'm going to break this down. On this chart at the top, obviously, Christ is in authority. And then the very bottom of creation that's underneath all authority are the animals. So with that chart in mind, let me just read you the passages that are listed in the chart, starting with the animals. Human beings are given authority. You've given them dominion, Psalm 8. Over the works of your hands, you've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. So right above the animals, sometimes based on who you know, just a little, a little above the animals, are human beings. You got that. That was pretty good, huh? Genesis 126, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the animals. So you see the progression of this chart. 
Interestingly enough, the next level above human beings that we have to be careful about, that we can all be afflicted with if we don't stay in our right position of authority, is the authority of spirits, particularly demonic spirits. Luke 13, 11, Behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. She was bent over because she had an afflicting spirit. You all realize that sometimes you could have a sickness that's not a, that, that has a physical manifestation, but it actually started because of a demonic influence that you allowed into your life. And we need to all be mindful of that. So then above spirits, in charge of all those spirits, Ephesians 2.2 is Satan. In what you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now at work. He's still working. He has not been thrown in the lake of fire yet. And then we have believers. Now, let me read the verses, and then I want to go back to the chart. Believers, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And raise, he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I would like all of you to say this after me. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now here's the difference between you human being, non-believer, and you human being believer. When you're human being, non-believer, you're underneath the authority of Satan. You're always under the authority of Christ. Every knee is going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord one day. So we're all under his authority. But when you become human being believer, a new creation in Christ, you move in, your pos in position on this chart. And the last verse is Ephesians chapter 1, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So if we look at the chart again, here's the deal. Where we all were before we became new creations was just a little above the animals. But this great transformation happens for all of us as believers in Christ is we go up the rungs of the ladder and we are in a place of authority right underneath Jesus Christ. Our authority are not the demons that are controlling the princes of the air in the United States, in the world, in the Reformed Church, in the Christian Missionary Alliance, wherever the enemy is trying to work. They are not our authority. Jesus Christ is our authority. And I'm, I'm begging you and pleading with you this morning to recognize that we as a church are in a season if, where if we're going to exercise our authority like we're supposed to, there is no time like the time we're in right now. We can't take our foot off the gas. We need to be on our knees. We need to be praying. You all need to be in your scriptures. You need to be reading the word of God on a regular basis and make sure that we are staying equipped as his body. That deserved more than one amen. We, it is critical, everybody. We are in a season where we need to get through this knot hole because I want you to picture with me. I want you to picture with me in less than a year from now or within the next year, I want you to picture this room, this sanctuary filled with 200 people. 
COVID's over. The launch team is gathered. The pastor is in place. I'm running the equip ministry at Centerpoint. All the things that are in motion, all those things are happening. And this place is filled with 200 people twice on a Sunday morning. And we need to be in a position of authority so we make sure that we participate in what God has already put into motion. There's a great book in the Old Testament called Nehemiah. The walls were broken down. And Nehemiah was leading the people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, it describes, we don't have this, this on the PowerPoint, but it describes that the, the sons and daughters and all the families, the brothers and sisters, the wives, all their homes, they were carrying their burdens and were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work of the wall with one hand and in their other hand they held a weapon with the other. We have work to do and it's going to require you to be ambidextrous. You're going to have to use both hands. You're going to have to have one hand that's ready to do the work and another hand that's holding the weapons of warfare to defeat the enemy. And I'm asking you to be ready. I'm asking you to be prepared. I'm asking you to be diligent and intentional in working together with us. And I want to end with this passage as a reminder of who wins at the end of this story. Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I, hear a, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. That takes an amen. Who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives, even unto death. This is time for us not to be selfish and just love ourselves. It's to love him 100% with all of our hearts. To take on what God has called us to. I'd like you to stand with me. And before the worship team comes for us to finish with the last song. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'll lead you by just having you repeat after me, just kind of like you're repeating vows at a wedding. So just follow along, bow your head, close your eyes so you can focus and concentrate on these words. So repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, as an ambassador of Christ, I believe the Holy Spirit has anointed me to be a worshiper of God and a deliverer of men and women. 
Anoint me with a higher level of discernment so I can know the motivation of the Spirit behind an activity. By the grace of God, I believe I am receiving an increase of your revelation in my life each and every day for your kingdom's sake and for the honor of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please remain standing as we worship together.